Hello, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Talks with Cheese. I'm your host, Cheese, a.k.a. Adrian, and my guest here with me is Steven Moriarty. Steven, how are you doing? Ain't not too bad, Cheese. Steve right here is the head coach for the Tipkinu Valley High School Vikings. So he just finished his sixth season as head coach. I've known him for seven years because he's family with the Craigs. And then together we have spent many cookouts together, many birthday parties together, and just other gatherings together. Ain't that right, Steve? Oh, that is that is correct, Cheese. We've known each other ever since you were little, you know, and coming over to all the cookouts and birthday parties. You've been to my house many times for my children's birthday parties. It's uh, You've always been a good friend to the family. Thank you. I appreciate Steven. And thank you for like all those times for inviting me. You know, it's always, like you said, good times and it's really good food as well. Cheese, you're a good eater. You know what I'm saying? And I'm proud of you for that. I think you do a good job at eating and I think that's something to be proud of and you enjoy good food. And that's why we have you over. Of course. And when you're family with uh, the outlaws, there's oh, no denying that. How can you deny it? Exactly. So, um, Steven, seriously, thank you for coming on because uh, before you told me, before this uh, we aired, you told me you started work at 3, 3 o'clock in the morning. So thank you for taking the time of your busy schedule to do this because I know you can be doing other better things. <laughs> no, geez, I always try to, to do anything like this. Anytime you can promote uh, Valley football and, you know, and kind of shine a light on where you've been and stuff, it's kind of cool. Yeah, and it's pretty cool that I've had like people associated with the team like Wade Jones and Jen Backus, and I told you off air that those were those podcasts were like really fun as well. Yeah, and you've had Brazil, right? That played for us yeah. too, and so all those you know, Jen does a great job with uh, being a trainer for us, and she's the reliable one that we always count on for those big decisions and helps with the weather where we can and can't practice, and of course Wade's Wade. And Brazil, what a treat to, you know, have a foreign exchange student like Brazil come onto our team. And, you know, he would, you know, we listened to your podcast last night, Charlie and I, and going back through, you know, he said he learned so much from us. Well, I think it's a little bit the other way. We learned so much from him. And uh, he, he's still having a great career over there in Brazil. You know, some of the stuff that he puts out on YouTube and stuff we watched, and, and Charlie likes watching him, and he's just a good kid. Yeah, I agree. Like, um, first about Jen. Yeah, it's crazy what she does for the team. Cause we mentioned on the podcast we did together, she has no assistance. So like, kudos to her. Awesome. It's really awesome what she does. She's like a one person band. She is. I mean, you think about all the sports that she has going on at one time, and then she still makes time, you know, away from her family. That's the big thing. You know, the the sacrifice she makes to go away from Owen and West to come out every Friday night in every practice. And if I practice late, she's still late, you know? So some of the things we need to take into consideration too, when you think about Jen all the time she puts in and all the hard work, but the one nice thing is she's been there. Um, and she's been at Valley for a while now, and it's nice to have some consistency. And then you you build like that trust, you know, and Jen is the best. Yes, she is. And she mentioned also on the podcast, yes, she, like, if you want to be, like, an athletic trainer like her, like, it's basically like a second shift job. But she's thankful that she has, like, uh, her family to go to all these sporting events with. So, yeah, so it's not as bad because she has, like, Wes and Owen always going to the sporting events. So, yeah, shout out to her. Yeah, for sure. It's like a family event, right? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, Steve, I know you've done a lot of interviews in the past before, like, you know, especially during – during like the, the summertime leading up to the season and obviously during the season, but is this your first like quote unquote podcast? I would say I was thinking back the other day, I think this is my first podcast. So 
pretty cool. Yeah, I'm honored to have you <laughs> on here. No, I'm, I'm thankful you brought me on, Cheese. That's a great honor that you ask us. Ask me, sorry. No, no problem. So, Steve, can you, I want to talk about your beginnings. So, when, how, and why did you get into coaching? <laughs> That's a good question. So, um, you know, I originally, when I went to college, um, I wanted to go with a teaching degree uh, and be a head football coach. It's kind of when you knew your career was over, but you still have that competitiveness in you. And football has given me so much of my life, not just, you know, it got me to college to begin with, you know, play at COD, College to Page. And otherwise, you know, you don't know what road, you know, if you would have went to a different college and how the path, but football dragged me in that way. And after going through it and, uh, you know, giving it up kind of, you'd say, and going to Purdue and, and um, I had one of my uh, college buddies that uh, he coached at Seeger and he's like, hey, why don't you come coach? They needed a linebacker coach. And so it started out that way and, and to fall into it the way that I did, um, you know, I fell into a great head coach with Brian Moore um, at Seeger and, you know, he's in the Hall of Fame now and it was lucky because the – wrestling coach and defensive coordinator at Seeger was uh Tom Cook and Tom Cook actually was was the did his undergrad student teaching with Charlie Smith at Valley in what world huh? yeah so it was a small world so as soon as they Tom heard that I was from Valley you know then he's like hey okay He's a Valley dude, so he knows football because he came from the Charlie Smith, you know, school. And, and that was a good era. Yeah, and so um, I never got to play for Charlie. But, you know, just him and that name associated with Valley got me a job, basically. And Charlie did call down and talk to Tom and kind of got me on the staff there. And then one thing led to another. Um, and I started uh, coaching at Seeger. And then, of course, Jenny and I got married. So Jenny actually coached track and cross country at Seeger for a while. And then uh, I got a job offer from uh, Lafayette Central Catholic to be the defensive coordinator. And to me, that was kind of the next step. And I did apply for the head football coaching job at uh, Seeger or at Central Catholic when it came open. And I got down to the final two, me and another guy. Um, and they ended up giving it to the other guy because the teaching position was um, – Catholicism. Well, I'm Methodist and not Catholic. Um, so they gave it to the Catholic uh, gentleman, and which was fantastic. Um, and it kind of led me back home, though. So Jen and I moved back to, you know, back to the Valley area and, and moved to Rochester and then started coaching with uh, Bibbler for a while. And then when Bibbler had decided to retire, I coached with Shrive for a few years. Then when Molly was born, I gave it up for about four or five years where I just kind of walked away from it. And Seeger called again and said, hey, why don't you start scouting for us? Get back in the game a little bit. And I did. And then and then Shrive hung it up. And so then it came down. Or Bilber came back for one year and then uh, gave it up. And then it went to um, – they opened it up. And so it was uh, Darren Hosopel and I applied. And we got down to the final two, and they gave it to Darren. Um, and at that point, I thought that I was maybe – time to just kind of walk away but I, I had that feeling you know and in two years into it you know mid-season uh Darren had opted to um not coach anymore and coach Shriver took over and Shriver told me she said hey, we're getting the band back together and I said okay uh so he brought like Kyle uh Kyle Brown and Carl Weaver and, and myself back um with a host of others I can't remember all, who all came back and then we coached and finished that season. Then the very next year, then I went for it and, and got it. 
Um, and then it's been downhill ever since, or uphill, maybe. Mm-hmm. Um, Coach, oh, where is Sigur exactly at? West Lebanon, Indiana. It's right by Danville. Like, it's very close to the Illinois line. Um, it's about 50 minutes away from Purdue University, so I travel every day down there. Boiler up, right? Yeah, amen, right? <laughs> yeah. So. so, and then the year... The the year before you became head coach, which was 2017, but the year, the year you became an assistant, right, when you helped Shriver, when Shriver wanted to get the band back together, <laughs> that was my senior year. Yeah. In other words, that was Alex's senior year, which is uh, your nephew. So how was it coaching him for, like, his senior year alone? Uh, I got a funny story about that. So they had um, – came back, you know, and I was – and when you come back, you get – you're fired up, right? I mean, you get that renewed – uh, you know, energy for the game, and you know, and I did it, you know, love coaching. I was into it. And, um, one game, Alec got hurt, right? And he's laying on the field. And, uh, Shrive looks over at me and he says, Why don't you go out there? So, Jen and I went out, and he's laying there, and he's got, <laughs> he said, uh, I got the wind knocked out of me. And I said, Oh, you, you did. And I said, well, get up. You're making a scene, right? So right then and there, you know, just being his nephew, uh, joking around with him on the field was good to see. And, yes, he was just got the wind knocked out of him. But um, overall, what a great experience, you know, my nephew and, and the only one I got. And, you know, I just treasure those memories that we got to spend and winning the bell and all those great memories that uh, that he can take with him that I can be some small, small part of. Yeah, um, Steve, that was like, once like Trevor took over that, you know, midway through the season, that season just became more fun just for like, you know, the students and especially for the players because we won the bell back. So, yeah, that was a heck of a time, Steve. It was. It was a, it was a huge turnaround. I mean, literally, Shrive put in an offense and a defense in the middle of the week, um, which was crazy. Um, and, I mean, the kids took to it right away. So, so uh, Steve, what's your favorite memory with Shriver? Um, my favorite memory of Shrive was, um, it was actually very kind of sad, I guess, but, um, I was coaching youth football at the time when uh, Darren Hosopel, you know, I didn't get the job and I coached my youngest son, Grady. And so the day after Shriver had passed or after Bibbler had passed away, um, it was that Saturday morning, we were playing a football game out there and Shrive came out to the middle of the field and Grady and all of them, I mean, they took a knee and prayed. And uh, as Shriver's walking out the field, uh, Grady ran up and gave him a hug. And uh, since then, Shrive and, and Grady just balled together. And uh, it meant so much to Shrive. So when we won that bell, uh, second year coaching, you know, Shrive's on the staff. Um, you know, Shrive asked, he said, can, can we have a picture of the three of us with the bell? And I'm like, he goes in and you know why. And I said, yeah. So um, I just, it was just one of those special moments that, you could never plan that just happened. So mm-hmm. that's awesome, and I, you know, as we both know, we all miss Shrive. Shrive's a forever legend. So yeah, yeah, Shrive was the man. Um, the way that he interacted with the players and the coaches, and his energy that he had, uh, still resonates in those halls today, especially in the field and every, you know, all the traditions. Like he was very rich in tradition, and I think, like as a coach, you know, you take something from every head coach you've coached with and I definitely took the meaningfulness of Death Valley football from Shrive and the 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 loyalty and the way that he carried himself um that that we were supposed to be honored because of who we played for and to honor that you go hard in practice and in the games and uh, all those things still things we still do today that he did we carry them right on along with us 
um, Steve, so I remember when I had Wade Jones on my podcast, he mentioned that one time that uh, it was during, like, you know, training camp or, you know, a practice during the summer that the kids were walking to get water, and you just you just went off on them. Uh, and, you know, the <laughs> I have a few, uh, like, things that I don't like. Um, walking on the fields, one. Talking when I talk. The Lord's name in vain. Stuff like that. But it's funny that, you know, Wade says that because – this season alone, um, the the players were more disciplined than ever in the past. Um, and it wasn't me disciplining. It's them disciplining themselves because they knew that what bothered us as a staff. And so if any other player was walking, they're like, hey, you know, don't walk on the field. You know, and um, it's stuff like that that passes down that, you know, yes, you got your point across. But it is. It's part of life. Like, you know, those are little tiny life lessons. Even when you go through the jobs that maybe you don't think are most important, you still want to give it your all because you never know the outcome. And I think that that's kind of one of the reasons, you know, we've been successful and all the players that graduated have been successful in what they do because they have a good work ethic. And it's part of those little tiny things that you do. Yeah, it was funny because, like, when he, um, when him and the team were walking, that's when the little kids – uh, we're like doing their practices so he didn't like you didn't want to set an impression on those kids because like you said it goes goes all about like teaching the next uh set of players down yeah it is it's passing it on yeah passing it on my bad no yeah and uh for the most part even the little tiny things that we do uh, the way we warm up, the way we take a knee ready down, uh, the way we break it down, the end of the games, they all do those same things. And it's cool to see, you know, these little seventh and eighth graders doing everything that we do and yelling at each other, you don't walk on the field, you know, and it's all, it's kind of neat. It's crazy how like, all, like the little things really do matter. It is. And then you'd, sometimes you take those things for granted, keeping the locker room clean. You know, I mean, are you going to live in your house like this? You know what I'm saying? So pick up the trash and everybody's responsible for everybody else. Maybe somebody dropped something they don't know about. Uh, help out each other. Um, go, going down to the way you tuck your shirt in, you know, and uh, all that stuff. Right. It's all about manners at the same time as well and respect. Yeah. And I think that that's, you, you do you have some of that. In high school football, they're 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 high school boys, right? And they're always trying to look uh, cool or whatever. But um, the biggest thing that I think that you'll see is that they lead is by the way they practice, and um, the respect goes to the game and to the other players and to the coaches. And my big thing is, you know, the, when we go to meal time, you know, it's always yes, yes sir, no sir, and thank you, ma'am, and all that, and. Most of the time they do that stuff on their own. I mean, we we live in a good community where, yeah, you know, we have some uh, roughness, but that doesn't mean you still can't be polite, you know, so. How does that make you feel as a coach, just knowing that you taught them that, not just you, but the staff as well, that you made an impact on these players the past, like, six years as being head coach? <laughs> it worries me some. You know, you want to make sure you're passing on the right stuff, right? Yeah, no. Um, but as we go along, you know, and I think, the more that we spend time together, the more they'll take your on your characteristics. They, you know, they, they do, they, when I get fired up, they get fired up, you know, and, uh, 
when, you know, you come to practice and maybe you're not focused, you know, maybe you had a long day at work and, you know, your mind's elsewhere, um, they can pick up on that stuff. So always staying in the moment and making sure that you understand that you're teaching it. You're always an influence on these kids and making sure that we do the right things uh, so that they do the right things and, and, and not letting them get away with things that are mediocre because we're not a mediocre program. Um, and I don't want to teach mediocrity. And to go through and have them practice you practice the way you play, and, and Bart Curtis says it best. He says, "When you watch film, that's that's what you coach. So when you watch film and you see something, you don't, you got to fix it. You know, I mean, that's on you. So, yeah, exactly. So, guys, um, Coach Mill has led the Vikings into uh, five straight winning seasons, right? But we all know that success doesn't happen overnight. So, Coach Mill, uh, your first season was in, back in 2017. Uh, you guys went. Uh, you had a two and eight overall record. So since then, um, you obviously had the winning season. So how has that progression? How's that like mean to you that you went from a two and eight season and since then like a winning season, winning season, and you know winning conference titles? Because like 2021 was such an historic season because you guys went undefeated in the regular season and went undefeated in the conference. And last year. Even though you guys lost one game in the regular season, you still got to split the conference. So how is that? Um, you know, and I knew coming in that um, we had had some setbacks, not from Shrive, because um, uh, Shrive came in the middle season and got the wins. You know what I'm saying? The, I mean, he was the one that um, – so we had to almost – you know, and Shrive was on staff when we went through it. We had to return, almost retrain winning. Um, and that refusal to lose sort of attitude that when you walk on the field, you expect to win, um, and you're shocked when you don't, and you don't want to lose, and you want to win. And starting out was going back to the basics, um, fundamentals and going hard. You know, you look at most high school football teams that have success, they go hard, and they have correct fundamentals. They don't take plays off. And, if, and the nice thing about film is you can point those things out. And that's where we started growing. You know, I mean, we started filming practices and going through and saying this effort isn't what we what we want, you know, and next up. And then all of a sudden, I think Rita Price uh, said it best. It was in season two. Uh, we came in and faced a 6-0 and ranked Rochester team at home. Um, and we were, oh, I can't remember. Like four and two, I think. I mean, we were still we were winning at that point. Had a big loss right off the bat to CMA, and I looked at Joe Seacrest and I'm like, this might be my last game. I mean, we just got crushed, but that's when they had Deontay and all that, and uh, that's playing in Iowa now. Um, But we went into that game and we were down twelve to nothing going into the fourth quarter, and we ended up winning it. And I walked up into the press box and uh, we started talking, and at the very end of the interview, Rita says. I've got three words to say. We are back. And since that point, the tide has changed. And kids start thinking differently. And they start going after it. And their work ethic in the weight room changes. And so you're still riding that um, all the way back to then. So that so that Rochester game, right, your second year, winning that bell. Because I remember the, that game that the Rochester, they were like the favorites to win. But basically when you guys upset them, that was a turning point from there on to here to, we are. Yeah, to now. And it's funny because we uh, – Kim Potter had came up to me and she's like, do you think I should buy paint? 
And I'm like, okay, if you do, just I'm the only one that knows. Don't tell anybody. And she went and bought green and gold paint and hid it at the fence. And, and then, so I did. I told Shriver, right, right, right. And then they put it on the track, right, and painted it. And I still remember Jenny uh, flipping out, being like, that's on the track. You know, he's painting it on the track. Yeah, yeah, she's a track coach. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that was the, yeah, that was the moment that I think where then things started going up. And then all of a sudden, you know, the next year, I think we went seven and four. And you went, uh, I saw it was seven and four, the 2019 season and the 2020 season. Yeah, and still lost to those hang-up teams. You know, Southwood got, got us. McConaughey got us. Um, CMA right off the beginning. Was it CMA? Yeah, CMA right off the beginning. And then the Jimtown uh, and Mishawaka Marion two years in a row. Um, but then the last year uh, in 2020, right? No, 2021. 2021, that historic season. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's when we knew that we had the pieces that we had. We dropped CMA. We got a good 4A, a good competitor in 4A as well as C. And that first game, uh, when we beat them handily and we were up, uh, I looked at Coach Weaver and I said that we've got something. Like, this is special. Um, and then we rolled. And uh, and I'll be honest with you, give me a good field. Give me a dry field and dry conditions. I'm telling you, we, we knock off Marion. Uh, 12 to nothing at halftime, hanging with them. Um, we just couldn't get anything going. Um I'd like to play dead on a dry field. Um, but – and then going into this season, you know, le- losing seven out of nine, uh, all-conference players coming back. Um, I don't think people thought we would be maybe as good, but I knew you – know, and the coaching staff knew that the, the potential is there. Um, but sometimes, you know, you go back to the potential versus heart. I'll take heart any day over potential – uh, they came in and, and, and just, you know, once again, you know, while was he 26 to nothing right off the bat, then all of a sudden you lost so many players on defense, our whole secondary, except for Wade, linebacking core gone, you know, Hunter Airman flying up from behind, Wade, Wade Melanson, DJ Estep, um, those big cats in the middle. You know, you lose all that, and then all of a sudden you get a shutout that first game. Well, then, okay, so now we're in again. Um, and then stumble into Southwood was frustrating. Um, and that's just a game – I think it was a more of a learning game than anything on, you know, making sure you're prepared. Um, you know, we tightened up a little bit. Um, defensively, you know, Wade didn't play. And we had some – we should have you know, done this and done that. And I'll take the heat on the whole game. I mean, I'll blame it all on me. I should have probably went for it instead of putting it in the hands of a freshman kicker. But at the same time – I have confidence in him still to this day. I'd still kick it because I have confidence in him. Um, but uh, we learned. Well, well said. So, Mo, um, dating back before the season started, right, um, Wade mentioned my podcast saying, like, you know, they were, uh, the players felt like they were being pressured because they felt pressured of doing as good as those guys back to 2021. How do you feel? Did you feel pressured <laughs> going into that season? Because in my opinion, that this past season, twenty twenty two, I thought you guys were just as good as the year before. Honestly, I, and I I felt the same way. And statistically, if you look at our offensive stats, we were we're about the darn same as going through and looking uh, per carry. And in fact, we averaged more yards on the air than we did last year, even with Rex, you know, Kirkenstein. So um, the pressure, yes. You do, and I'll be honest. I mean, as the head football coach uh, at Valley, you're expected to win. Um, it's a rich tradition that 
Um, that's people love Valley football, and and when you win, they come out in groves, and the community support is unbelievable. And it definitely shows. Yeah, and you do you do feel that pressure, and uh, that loss Southwood. I mean, I'll be honest, I took it hard because um, I felt it was uh, somewhat my fault. Um, and it, it is hard to deal with knowing that you didn't let down your team or your coaches, but you let down a community, and that's tough um, for me anyway. Well, we're so proud of you. You know, we still got to a second round of sectionals. We got to, you know, we still retained the bell. We still got a piece of conference, you know, still won the conference. Yeah. And no. not to mention, sorry, Steve, uh, not to mention you had seven players, the same amount of players as last year, getting all conference. Yeah. Um, so, you know, not a bad season to redeem yourself the season that, you know, previously. Yeah. Um, and, you know, that even the, the Guerin Catholic game, gosh darn it, all the way to the third quarter we were in it. And just penalties got us and turnovers. And it almost was like a, a bad omen sometimes when we were driving, you know, that first drive we stopped them and drove past the 50 going into, you know, into, into our end zone that way. And, uh, two penalties back to back, and then then we had a play that just was didn't go well, you know. And uh, so now instead of driving it, you know, consistently, now we're looking at a, you know, first and forever. And it just there were so many close plays, but yet they had the big plays that to hit. And I think that was the difference in the game, and we grow from that. And then, uh, I remember because I was at that game. The beginning of the game, it was just like nonstop penalties on us. <laughs> yes. Um, and that dates back a little bit to nerves. Um, you know, you 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 build yourself up for these games. I mean, we talk about it, and that's what we'll talk about in the off season. Is not so much like you 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 look and you hey, what are you going to do today to beat Rochester in the weight room? It's what are you going to do to beat Chatard and go on to the regional? Um, and you focus on those things and you drive them into their you know, and and now you end up in a game where you're playing them. And you've been building yourself up all summer, all year, to, to get your shot. You know, and now you've got a shot. And then when you take it, you do get a little jumpy. Um, and things like that happen. Yeah, it's like not just a physical uh, aspect. It's just the mental game as well, huh? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, towards the end of the season, you know, we always wind down. At the beginning of the season, I always tell the freshmen, if you can get to week one, you've made it. Um, because – all summer it is it's a grind it's it's hard and we push and we push um two a days come well the old school two a days and you push and you push and then finally you get to that first week and you play a game and then it's two practices film and after film after mental after walkthrough after walkthrough and it's not so much physical as it is mental as you prepare for your opponent so and that's the nice thing about football too you got a week to 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 get ready for them so, Coach, is your ultimate goal for being head coach of Valley to win them a, a sectional title? Because Valley's last sectional title was it back in 1992. It was a great team in 92. No, I was a part of it. Um, no, no big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, um, no, my goal is not to win a sectional, I'll be honest with you. My goal is to win a state championship. Um, to settle for a sectional seems uh, unrealistic. Like, your goal is to play, you know, have turkey in the dome, as we always joke. It's not the dome anymore. But our our focus is to, to get to that point. And I'm going to be honest with you, Cheese, we're, we're close. Like, we're, we're close. What do you think that needs to happen to, like, to help you guys to try to go to state? 
Um, I think being comfortable with being com- uncomfortable. Um, you know, when you play in those pressure cooker games, relax. Like, go after it. Do you. You know, and, and what is us is that, you know, we're hard-hitting football. And our always our motto is that we'll never be out-hit. Like, you will never out-hit us. Like, you better pack a lunch and bring a friend because it could be a long night when you play us. And it's you're going to have to give me everything you got to beat me. And when you leave – you're gonna. It's gonna be. You're gonna be tired and sore because we're not gonna get out hit. And when you get in those games, sometimes you you lose focus and you get excited. And I like the rah rah. And I'm a big rah rah, get pumped up kind of guy. But at the same time, when you settle down in, then that's where you go back to your fundamentals and you focus on those and doing what you're supposed to do in your job. And we're close. Uh, we are. We're close. Mm-hmm. So I like how you you're not selling for less. You know. You expect your players more and more and give them a challenge every single day, huh? Yeah, and we do. Like sometimes when you play a team that you might know that you're going to beat, we set actually higher expectations and we set uh, like almost timelines. So like end of the first quarter, uh, up by 21. Um, uh, no, you know, no play over 15 yards. You know, you want 150 yards on the ground by mid-second quarter. Um, things like that. And then uh, dating – Back to uh, this season, right? It was a good, it was a special season for you as well, personally, because you had your son Grady Moriarty on the team as a freshman. Tell me, how was that coaching him? And was that awkward? Like, was that awkward at first, or was it? Were you in coach mode the whole time coaching him? Um, yes, uh, awkward it would be, but I'll be honest with you, he probably gets the blunt of most of it. I mean, there's never – and I need to find myself, like, uh, telling him good job more because I, I think that he should do better sometimes than what he does. The lucky thing is I don't coach him. Um, he's never with me during practice, only during scrimmages. And I might see him – most of the time he was with the JV all season, even on that. The only time I'd really get to see him was during special teams when Webster put him on kickoff. And that's when, you know, I'd be a little hard on him. But uh, Coach Wise has got him, and I'm thankful for that because Wise is a good, hard-nosed coach and expects nothing but the left. You know, he expects your best on everything. And and I'm glad that Wise has him. Um, and Wise does a good job of – and he's really – he does. He takes his linebackers to heart. I mean, they watch film even beyond what we watch film together so that they understand. Um, I do have one thing. So, Grady, it was the second game of the season – and, um, you know, we had that darn penalty um, that was um, just uh, before the game because we took too long announcing the players. Oh, my word. But anyway. Um, and so they gave them a really good spot on kickoff. They returned it, you know, and then we got the ball back. And uh, we scored right away. And so now it's 7-6. to six And I was talking to Bailey about something and had my back turned on kickoff. And then I turned around and seen number 30. Uh, sprinting down the sideline with the ball. And uh, it was nice to see Grady, you know, score that. And as he scored it, Molly's in the – in the uh, my daughter's in the uh, cheer block on the front row. And he points at her and she points at him. And it's a, and if you watch it back on Huddle, it's just a neat moment that can never be relived. That You know, to see that, I was, she was more excited than he was that he scored. And uh, Coach Brown uh, – yelled in the headset he says i think uh, it's time to be a dad go tell your son congratulations because i was off somewhere else and i did i got to tell him that i was proud of him you know and it's a cool moment 
Yeah, it's like memories you would never forget, huh? And Steve, I was at that game. I remember. So when you were leading up to that story, I was like, yep, yep, yep. And it was like, you know, being friends, really good friends with you guys. That was such an awesome moment, honestly. Like, like seriously. Yeah, I was uh, happy for him. And I feel like sometimes, um, you know, I don't want to hold him back. But at the same time, you know, you don't, I don't want to play him most. I want him to, to go through the way that he should, you know, in the JV and, and and play that and i was i was surprised he was on special teams and, and i was proud that he did well at it uh, yeah and um steve honestly yeah he did a good job uh you know playing special teams i thought him and dirt were like a good combo on on special teams being those underclassmen i swear every time when i'd be watching the games they'd be on kickoff and it, it was either him or dirt tackling the the opposing team yeah, those those two will be uh, a good duo at some point, uh, middle linebacker someday down the road. And that's a positive thing, Steve. The next three years are is just you, you and him again. You and Steve. I mean, my bad. You and Grady again. Yeah, I know it's 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 exciting. I yeah, I get nervous sometimes that uh, coaching him, but uh, it is nice when you go home and you can watch film with him, and you know, and we can dissect things and point good things out as well. You know. I mean, what more can you ask for, honestly? <laughs> No, it's uh, you know it's it, you know that's kind of a dream uh, to coach your own son. Um, it could be a double-edged sword, but uh, it's just it's nice to spend time with him. You know, isn't it crazy when you first started coaching? Like Grady was on the sideline, you know, along with Charlie, and now you know Grady's playing for you. <laughs> yeah, I remember when I first started coaching. Yeah, he's just a little tiny ball boy, and so excited, you know. And now Charlie's kind of taking that role up, and all his little buddies. Yeah, that was really funny. Me and Alec and Eric would just laugh at Charlie, you know, him being a good ball out on the field. <laughs> he uh, can't sit still. He's always jumping. And uh, even when we watch film at home, he wants to see if he can see himself. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> I, yeah that's awesome to hear. That's awesome to, like, witness, honestly, Steve. So, Steve, talking about for next year, what, what are some losses do you guys lost? And then what gaps do needs to be filled? But what are some positives about who's returning? Because there seems like there's several, like, juniors key juniors that are gonna be seniors that are going to be returning like wade like cody um it is it's it's gonna be a challenge replacing the old line that senior driven line was fantastic this year and uh, that's the the kids that you know like uh, luke parsons and schwank and wigs those are you know kids that have worked their rear ends off and just had wade melanson in front of you you know um, and then they got their shot, and boy, did they take it, um, and they did well. Um, it was a smaller line this year, but they move, they they hit they fast, and they get low, and they drive off the ball. And to miss that whole offensive line with losing Evan and Bailey, you know, as our, our corner tackles, you know, on the ends, uh, will be a definitely a, a big uh, task to take. But it also gives spots to for people to work in the weight room, um, and they they know that it's open and that that's yours to get. So get it, you know. Don't go half rear-ended after it. Like don't think you're just going to show up and get it. No, this is open. You're and, saying it's a uh, it has to be earned, not given. Oh yeah, no, for sure. And you know, even going into this year, I mean, we we had basically, I mean, you Noah Prater started last year at guard and didn't start this year. Um, crazy, you know, but he went to middle linebacker and, and found his his role and we're able to get two different, you know, almost two platoon, you know, in some of those spots that uh, you normally at three A, small three A, you go two ways a lot. And uh, we were able to get a lot of different players, a lot of playing time this year, which will help us next year. 
That's awesome. That's awesome. And coach, I forgot to ask. So how important is it to have like uh, a good coaching staff around you personally? Um, you know, I'm very guarded uh, about my coaches. I'll be honest. Um, and it's kind of hard to, to get on the staff. Um, there's a level of trust there and loyalty that they have. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them, you know, coached with Shrive. Um, and to have those that you trust, that the things you say in that coach's office, you know, when we get together, you know, we'll have all kinds of ideas, you know, on Sundays. And we throw out every option and, and fight through it, you know. And we, you know, but when we leave that, my garage on Sunday after having the Sunday meal, we're all on the same page and in agreements. Um, we might make adjustments throughout the week, but there's a lot of preparation and there's a lot of time you spend with them and the knowledge that they have in that they're each of they have their each have their role. And um, it's just been so nice to have the same consistency of coaches throughout, you know, my six year here. That's awesome. You couldn't be more thankful for it, huh? No, it is. And, you know, uh, you know, Weave takes that offense and he, you know, works on it year after year. And, you know, we started almost, we'll take a couple weeks here, but then we're back into it. I mean, like already off the bat this year, you know, we've been done three weeks now or two weeks or something. And, um, you know, we already set up for clinics throughout the um, clinics that we're going to do in the off season here. Um, going to just learn and you know you can never stop learning the game and if you can pick up one or two things and add them to your profile it's huge and you know coach Weaver takes that time and coach Brown runs the defense this year um, has done a good job and then you know gone down with you know wise and then we all work together to find drills and to find you know I think last text group we had is how to create turnovers you know we looked at our stats this year and yes we had some but we didn't have as many as we did the year before so how do we do that you know how do you create that that atmosphere that that they're going to turn the ball over or put pressure on them where they're going to make uh, you know not smart decisions as an offense you know benefits the defense so it seems like you just you not only challenge your players but you challenge your coaches as well uh yeah they kind of challenge themselves like we always have that rule of thumb that you have to put in the time and it's, I mean, you don't get paid much, right? You're doing it out of the love for Death Valley football and for the kids and all the kids that's played before and the little kids that are going to come play. And so you want to make sure, you know, as a staff, we want to make sure that we put in the most time we can to benefit those players that are on the team and that are coming up that we give it our all. And I'm very proud of our staff for the time they put in to do that. Well, Coach, it seems like, you know, like you and your coaches, the time you guys have been putting on, put in to prepare for the games for the past few years has been paying off, Coach. Thank you. Um, I do. I think some of it, you know, it's nice to see a plan to come together, but it's the kids that have to execute it. And we've been very blessed with intelligent football players. And um, most of them, you know, are waiting for that playbook to come out on Monday. You know, I mean, it's a – it is. It's a process. I mean, when the game is over, it's actually that night, you know, we're right back at it. We watch the game um, as a staff. We talk about it late into the night, and then somewhere during the middle of the night, we switch gears and go to the next team. And by Saturday morning, Brown has all the film punched, and we're, we know their tendencies, and then we work on it during Saturday. Sunday, we meet. Um, we type it up Monday morning and get it off to the printers. And then by, you know, Monday at practice, they have it in hand. And, 
it is just it's it's weird how the the system goes but it's it's worked over time so we haven't switched it but the kids are buy into it you know i mean they can't wait to to see what we're going to do to stop somebody and they've watched just as much film sometimes as we do well not quite as much but still some it sounds like a heck of a grind coach <laughs> really uh, you coaches put in to like help these players to execute on friday nights <laughs> it is it's but i mean it's just part of it i mean that but it's fun, you know. I mean, you know, you enjoy kind of the the challenge that's given, you know, and and to see who you're playing and who you're going up against. That's nice. So, uh, coach, one thing I really wanted to know, you know, about this uh, in the podcast is that what what goes in depth, what goes behind the scenes in the off season, like you know, say you know how right now it's winter sports, right? Mm-hmm. What do you do to uh, keep making the program better and better? What what what's a coach? What's a head coach's role? like right now and i always laugh is that during the season is actually probably my easiest time really yeah because you're getting a routine of what you do you're making you know weaver makes the practice plans and we get together and print them out and you know kind of your scheduling and you talk and it's kind of routine but now is like the all state voting all academic region teams uh the recruiting season begins so all your paperwork that you have to file it starts now. So these last two weeks have been a grind with of paperwork, trying to get it in, making sure your players are out there, making sure the times for Viking Strong are open and that they're attending, and then um, and awards and all that stuff that goes into it can be a little uh, overwhelming during this season, time of the year. But and then you go through and you gotta, you know, this is the clean out period where you go through what are you gonna order, you know, what's the new set of jerseys, how. How, what time do you have, you know? And that's the Jersey part's kind of cool because you get to pick them. It's a cool process. Yeah, I know. And we're, we're going through that right now. I'm uh, going to get new whites next year. And I think with our contract we have, is it's it's under, it's Nike this year. So that'll be kind of neat to go through. And we're uh, picking out the new ones. And it's it's weird that the jerseys we wear now are from Maryland, uh, the greens, uh, the Under Armors. And this season they're going to be probably the ones from North Carolina. They have a cool jersey, so um, but just stuff like that and helmets and, and getting them recalibrated and fixing stuff, you know. That's crazy because I really thought like during the off season, especially during like the winter sports season, it'd be easier on you, but I guess not. It's a like you said, there's a lot that goes in that most people don't know about. It is, and you know, you even look at like the way we travel. I mean, there's 22 people that aren't a part that play put pads on that we travel with that each of them have a role whether it be the statistics guys the film crew um you know we went to that new sideline package this year where we had to have technology on the field ipads well with that you have to have an end zone camera and the the switchboard guy and i'm telling you it, it is crazy to see how many people are involved that nobody really knows about that helped to make the show run you know and it's all and that's why i like doing these podcasts because i get to learn and learn you know yeah, it is. It's it's it is a cool process, and and it too it gets people involved in the program. You know, I mean, some people just uh, you know want to be involved, and they are involved. You know, I mean, Joe and Joe the way they do their uh, you know Joe Seacrest puts in so much time behind the scenes of getting everything together, and the the we have a separate bus with just all the equipment. You wouldn't believe the equipment that you wouldn't even think of that we have to take and um it's a pretty cool process it is a crazy process but like you said a fun process so steve uh my next question so you just mentioned that you know you're you're just as busy during the winter than you are during the summer and fall so 
how do you balance from being a head coach, from being a full-time family man, to being a full-time worker here at the highway department? Like, how do you balance that? Um, it is difficult. Um, you know, being the superintendent of the county highway, there is a level of responsibility that's probably the greatest um, to make sure that, you know, the roads are taken care of and, you know, we, you go for all your federal funding and make sure that the traveling public is safe. But that just kind of goes back with your coaching stuff. I surround myself with good people here and, you know, the assistant superintendent and the foreman and all of them, the, you know, the office managers. It is a show and, and they do a good job to help kind of make sure that you don't get too stressed out because it can be stressful. And then uh, being a dad, you always got to make sure uh, one of the guys here at work always told me, he says, if they ever ask, you never say no. And I try to make that my main point. When I go home, if Charlie wants to go play catch and I've been working and up at 3 a.m. And, and then, you know, still here at 5, um, if he wants to play catch, I say yes. And I try to make sure that um, Molly and I play gin rummy and that I, you know, make sure we go through Grady's cards, you know, and just spend time with him and also try to be a good husband at the same point. Yeah, because, like, not only you're busy, but your kids are all athletes, right? They're either two or three sport athletes. And your wife, Jenny, um, she's a head coach for the track team. So uh, your family is busy all the time. And during the summertime, they're doing their summer sports as well. It is. Like the one year I, I get like one week off a year, it seems like. Um, and uh, it is. It's, it's you know, it's the same point. You know, I was in bed last night just thinking, you know, Molly, at this time next year, Molly won't be here. Well, that's depressing, you know. So I try not to complain about it too much because I'll miss it when it's gone, you know. And just to be able to watch her, uh, you know, compete and be aggressive and give it her all and to watch Charlie even go, you know, at Biddy Ball and to see Grady um, play basketball, which I still think is his favorite sport, by the way. Um uh, it's it is very entertaining and it, it it's it truly enjoyable joyful for Jenny and I to be have kids that are so active and out there. Yeah, you guys may be busy, but like you said, once again, it's a good it's a fun process to do, especially with your family. So, coach, how critical is it to have a good family slash friend supporting cast around you, being a head coach, especially during stressful situations? Oh, that's a good thing. Um, you know, it is. It's, you know, you got a tight group of friends. You know, most of your coaches are your friends. Uh, uh, you spend so much time together. But at the same time, you know, Jenny and I, um, you know, hang out with the Weavers and the Malats and the Wagners and, um, and, and to be around them. And even our neighbors, Todd and Tracy, you know, sometimes they don't even know what's going on at at, at uh, well, Valley Athletics because we live in Rochester and it's nice to kind of hang out with them sometimes because we don't talk about football you know what I mean right, <laughs> you, right. you know um, and to have a good family too you know Jay and Shelly and, and all of them and being able to just kind of get away a little bit and it is nice to, to be able to sometimes not talk about football you know during the football season to take a night off yeah Steve I want to say to you that Whenever me and Alec are hanging out at the house, right, we we honestly say to each other, you know, before we come, like, we try not to talk about football, you know, just to, like, you know, ease your stress down and stuff like that. Uh, no, but I do. I mean, it, you enjoy talking about it. It does get that way. And you find yourself drifting to most of those conversations about what happened. But um, it's always nice to, to be around families and friends to, to, to kind of cut back on that. Nice. So, yeah, see, so talking about uh, – the days off you have right it just seems like the time that you have you know 
time off of spring break because obviously those uh spring break vacations that you and the family take how are those honestly just to take a week off just off the grind it is uh you know we try to go i think the last three or four years my uh aunt owns a condo in uh okaloosa island and so we try to go down there you know for spring break and you know last year phil prater went down and his family and it's it's nice because it's not that far down but at the same point it's far enough away where it's warm um and all my family my cousins and all go like that so it's nice to uh, see them. My mom goes with us some, you know, and, and it's good to just kind of get away and decode. You know, they say salt water washes away a lot of that. So right. uh, I do enjoy And plus, they got so many, so many places good to eat. So. <laughs> so what's your favorite things about being in Florida, you know? I would say definitely the, uh, the beach and the water and uh, definitely the food. So. You big seafood guy? Oh, you know it. You know what I'm saying? Like, in two, it's expensive, but you're gonna like one time. Like, you're not gonna get like it's fresh, from right? The sea. Right? You're not gonna get like crab legs. You know, at, at Walmart. You know, you can you can get them down in the ocean where you can eat as much as you can. What stinks is like because all the kids have the same taste I do, right? So the mm. the yeah, you can imagine the bill. Right? Oh man, I can't imagine. <laughs> Thank God I don't have no kids yet. Yeah. So Steve, um, is there anything else you want to say or ask? Uh, no, I just, I think that it's, I think it's cool you do this cheese. I mean, you get a lot of different, you know, we listened, Charlie and I listened to a few shout out to Charlie, Molly and Grady and, and Jenny. Of course, and, yeah, yeah, shout out to the Moriarty family. You, well, yeah, Charlie's like, yeah, you better at least say something about me tomorrow. So, yeah. So, and I, and I won't, Charlie is a, is a fun kid to be around and he, he loves listening to these last night. We, listen to quite a few and i think what you do in cheese is very cool to go through and interview some locals you know and, and for people that are around us sometimes we don't get that and to do my first podcast with you cheese what an honor of course thank <laughs> you so much and like i said in many episodes and this one including the it's just so much fun doing and then i just had to get out of my comfort zone to do it because at first i was scared to do it no cheese you're good at this you know and you should keep doing it and not stop here you know and I think this is a good jump start, and I think you got a good career ahead of you. And just like the football, man, don't don't settle for anything but the best. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Steve. No, seriously, it's uh, so much fun learning about like you know what goes on behind the scenes of being like a head football coach, along being on the staff, along from learning what the players go through. So, um, Steve, it's time for the cheesy question of the day. So, I, I assume that there's new listeners listening to this episode so for those of you that don't know what cheesy question of the day is it's basically my last like you know off the wall question i like to ask the guests before i wrap up so steve today's cheesy question of the day is that how much money would it take for you to take a punch from mike tyson uh, uh let's see like all my let's see i'm trying to think all my debt no uh <laughs> Well, I, uh, I'd I probably the hospital bills yeah, too. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd go with a good four hundred thousand. Yeah, I, I take it for that. Yeah, not bad, not bad. No, I know. And then you know you can uh, take the family to an amazing, more <laughs> awesome spring break, huh? Yeah. Seafood buffets for everyone. Yeah, uh, everyone. <laughs> well, that wraps it up, Steve. Steve, like I said, thanks for coming on. Oh no, thanks for having me, Cheese. It's been fun. Yeah, thank you so much. And guys, you can follow this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Facebook. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>